We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and Exxon TV. Worldwide, toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com, and our website, exxonradiotv.com. Howard Bloom is my guest this hour, Exonation, and uh, Howard has been called the Einstein, Darwin, Newton, and the Freud of the 21st century, and the next Stephen Hawking. He is the author of two acclaimed books, The Lucifer Principle, A Scientific Expedition into the Forces of History, and Global Brain, The Evolution of Mass Mind from Big Bang to the 21st Century. Now, those books have won praise from The New Yorker, The Washington Post, The Boston Globe, Wired, uh, Foreign Affairs, and numerous other publications. A recent visiting scholar at New York University, Howard is the founder of the International Paleopsychology Project, founder of the Space Development Steering Committee, and that's a group that includes astronauts Buzz Aldrin and Dr. Edgar Mitchell, executive editor of the New Paradigm book series, and founding board member of the Epic of Evolution Society. Howard has appeared on Good Morning America, the CBS Morning News, CBS Nightwatch, the BBC, and over a hundred other media outlets. His website is www.howardbloom.net. And Howard, always great having you with us here in the X Zone, my friend. What is new with Howard Bloom? Rob, it's a pleasure. Well, you know, 
I don't know if uh, the entire audience could hear what you were playing into the break, but you were playing Billy Joel's Uptown Girl. Yes, I was. And um, I might, uh, Rob and I have been on together about 20 times so far. <laughs> so, so bear with me if I don't remember everything that we covered in the past. Did I ever tell you the story of being together with um, Billy approximately five hours after he wrote that song? Uh, no, you didn't. Well, um, it was, okay, just for the audience's sake, my, I started out as a kid um, in microbiology and theoretical physics, and I've been in science virtually all my life, but the science that I really wanted to dive into was the science of the human soul, the science of the human passions. And because there was no way in the world I was going to get to do that mm -hmm. in the context of a standard academic scientific career, um, I did a detour from science for 20 years, and I worked in pop culture which is where mass passions are made these days. And so even though I didn't know a thing about popular music when I started, um, I founded the biggest PR firm in the music industry, and it was all a science project. Well, what does that have to do with Billy Joel? Billy Joel, along with Michael Jackson, Prince, Bob Marley, Bette Midler, ACDC, Aerosmith, Kevin Queen, and a lot of others, Billy Joel was one of my clients. And I hadn't gotten together with Billy for a while, and I really enjoy him. He's got a really superior, just a terrific mind. Mm -hmm. And he called him and asked if we could get together, and he said yes. And we made arrangements to get together for breakfast. Um, he had an apartment at the Essex House on 7th, well, I think it's on 59th Street, across from the park um, in New York City, Central Park. And I tootled over there at 10.30 in the morning and went up to, to Billy's suite, and before we went down to the restaurant, Billy grabbed a little notebook. One of, you know those notebooks with the black and white marbled covers? Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes, those. Okay, he grabbed one of those. We went down to, I forget the name of the restaurant, Rat and Skellers or something like that, with a nice table on the sidewalk. It was the first day of spring. It was the first day when girls were beginning to show their legs and their arms again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that kind of a day where men just can't keep their eyes off of the women walking down the streets. It was one of those. And um, Billy had this little student notebook in the middle of the table. All right, we're going and to have to have a little bit of a cliffhanger here with you, Billy Joel, and yours truly, Rob McConnell. Howard, because we have to take a two-minute commercial break. Please stand by, my good friend. Exonation, Howard Bloom is my special guest. He's the author of The Genius of the Beast, A Radical Revision of Capitalism. That's just one of his many books. His website, full of information, insight, and all of his books, www.howardbloom.net. This is the Exxon, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Do not go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. 
Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. is our special guest this hour, Exonation, www.howardbloom.net. And Howard, before we went to the commercial break, uh, you were telling us about uh, a time that you went up to meet Billy Joel at his apartment. He grabbed a marble-covered uh, notebook, and you two went out and sat in a cafe just at the right time of the year as the clothing is coming off of the winter-burdened people, and you were able to quite enjoy the sights of the finer ladies in the area where you were except we got rapidly distracted because something really remarkable had happened to Billy the night before, and that's why he had schlepped this notebook with him. Um, He explained that when he was growing up out on Long Island, the guys all hung around on street corners, Mm -hmm. and what were they there to do? Um, Standing on the corner watching all the girls go by. Um, But girls, they didn't regard girls as being humans. See, there were two species on the planet, according to uh, the Long Island kids of Billy's day, uh, they were men, and those were guys that you could talk to. And then there were women, and women were a totally different species. And Still are. The only, and <laughs> well, the only thing that girls, the only time the two related to each other, men and women, mm-hmm. was when guys were busy trying to score off a girl. And scoring was not really something you did as an act of relationship between yourself and a girl. No, it was something you did in order to be able to go back to the guys and brag about it. So you could talk to other guys, they were intelligent, but you couldn't talk to girls, according to this Long Island teenage mentality when Billy had been growing up. Girls were not creatures you could talk to. Um, Well, Billy, the night before, had met a girl. And not only was she gorgeous, but he could talk to her. And it was such an exhilarating experience to discover that there was the same kind of intelligence in a woman as there is in a man, and that you can share conversation about really intense stuff, because Billy's got a great brain, um, that he had stayed up talking to her until something like 2 or 3 in the morning, and then had gone back to his apartment. Now, you need a word of background, a flashback here. Um, Billy is really self-conscious about his music. If he writes a single line that he considers to be cliché, he beats himself up about it. And that includes lyrical clichés, and it includes melodic clichés. And the result is that when Billy is writing, for example, when he's writing out at his big home in Long Island, he's alone in a room with a great big grand piano, and he calls the piano the beast with 88 teeth. Because he can pace back and forth for two months without being able to come up with a single lyric or a single melody. That's how intense his battle with the piano is to write a single song. Well, Billy had come home at something like 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning from this absolutely exhilarating conversation with, what he, with a woman he had the impression was the first intelligent woman he'd ever met in his life. 
and he sat down, and guess what he had done between then and the time that he was having breakfast with me? He had written an entire album's worth of songs. Wow. Nothing like it had ever happened to him in his life. And why did he have to have this little black-and-white marbled notebook sitting on the table in between us? Because every single song lyric was in there. And they, and they were the songs. You've played three Billy Joel songs so far. Mm-hmm. Two of those three Billy Joel songs, Uptown Girl, I forgot what the name was of the second song. I'm terrible with song titles. Um, but two of those were in that notebook. Now, I listened to that album. I'm a Billy Joel fan. I love Billy Joel's work. I think that Billy Joel is one of the finest lyricists on the planet and that his lyrics will be around in poetry anthologies 100 years from now. The third song you played was from his days with his first wife, Elizabeth, who also was a very sharp lady. The one about the, your tie's too wide and your yep. car is out of style. That's Elizabeth. That's rock and roll. Um, I can relate to that. But the new songs on Billy's album, I could not relate to. They were all some sort of cliche in a vein that just didn't appeal to me. So this will show you just how absolutely fabulous my instincts were for music. I mean, I'd help pick uh, Joan Jett's um, I Love Rock and Roll as a hit and a bunch of other things like that. But I was not beaming on all all my cylinders this particular morning or, or when that album actually was finished because I didn't like it. And it became Billy's biggest selling album ever, um, the album with Uptown Girl. So that's the Billy Joel story. <laughs> and uh, sorry to hit you with such a long story so, so swiftly, Rob, but I couldn't resist telling you that one. Well, you know, I love hearing about your experiences with people that are from my era. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for sharing that. I always love hearing the stories. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the world today, Howard, and I know that you've got your fingers on the pulse of what is going on, and you look at the world in a totally different way than most people do. Um, two days ago, Howard, it was revealed that Iran was handing bags of money to President Karzai in Afghanistan. Is this a red flag that we should pay attention to, and if so, why? It is a huge red flag, Rob. Now, first of all, your audience might wonder, what in the world credentials do I have to discuss something like this, given the fact that I was sitting with Billy Joel at a, um, a, a, a cafe table, checking out the girls over breakfast one day. Well, I've been on Iranian TV five times. That's uh, Iran's national TV, or actually their global English language service, Press mm-hmm. TV. And Press TV is so central to Iran. I mean, it's owned by the Iranian government. But it's so central to Iran that usually when you hear a news broadcast that quotes information coming directly from Iranian sources, it will say this information is from Press TV. Um, and the, so the Iranians think that I know something. And what I really know is that there's a great game afoot. You know, we used to talk about the great game where our grandparents and great-grandparents used to talk about the great game back in the 19th century in the days of heavy-duty Western imperialism. And the great game was being fought over Afghanistan. And um, you, you, in those days, first of all, once upon a time, Iran was not called Iran. Iran was called Persia. And Persia had an empire. And the Persian Empire was so big that it extended all the way down the Middle East through what's known as Syria, what's known as Lebanon, what's known as Iraq, um, what's known as uh, parts of Jordan, what's known as Israel, and all the way over across the upper lip of Africa to Libya. And it also extended in the other direction. It extended all again, all across what we now know as Pakistan, what we now know as Afghanistan, and over to the lip of India. And the Iranians seem to want that empire back. 
that they seem to want it in a whole new guise, rather than calling it a new Persian empire, and rather than calling it an empire at all. They simply want to call it liberating the world for Islamic revolution, for the one true form of Islam. And their constitution, when they were putting their constitution together, there were major battles taking place over the wording. And one of the big battles over the wording was that somebody wanted to say, okay, we just liberated ourselves from the Shah, we've just liberated ourselves from American domination, why don't we put a line in our constitution saying that we are for the liberation of other countries to gain their freedom from international imperialism. And uh, another faction in these constitutional assemblies said, no, absolutely, our constitution must say that Islam is dominant over all other belief systems on the planet. And as a consequence, we have a right to lead the entire world into an Islamic revolution. And when the Islamic revolution happened in 1979 in Iran, Iran immediately thought that the rest of the Islamic world, which is a 13,500-mile-wide empire, going all the way from Africa to from Nigeria over to Indonesia, they thought that the, the entire Islamic world would see the truth of their approach and would fall in line with them. That didn't happen. So they immediately went to war to, with one of their neighbors on one of their sides to bring it into the fold of Islamic revolution. That country is, is Iraq. And Iran has been working very, very hard playing our psychology to use us to help them get Iraq. And it's working. They have two proxy armies in Iraq. Um, one is, has become incorporated as a part of the Iraqi um, military and police um, operations. Um, another is the um, uh, is the Muqtada al-Sadr's army and Afghanistan. Think of it for a second. On there, if you look at a map, on the left of Iran is Iraq. So that's a natural extension for them, and they've owned it before in the days of the Persian Empire. And in their immediate right to their immediate east is Afghanistan. So the beginning of restoring a land empire, and this time calling it a global Islamic revolution, happens in Afghanistan and Iraq. So if we, because we've experienced great pain, great loss of money, bankrupting ourselves, losing over 4,000 human lives, uh, that's just our lives because we lost well over 100,000 Iraqi and Afghanistani lives. But if because we've put out this great amount of toil and, and blood, um, we eventually just stop looking at uh, Afghanistan and at I Iraq the way that we once stopped looking at Vietnam, then horrible things are going to happen over there because... The Iranians, for the Iranians, they are on the path of becoming the next great superpower, the next great nuclear superpower, and their first two satellites are going to be Afghanistan and Iraq. Speaking about uh, nuclear power, I, I understand Iran is fueling the, the Busher uh, nu uh, nuclear reactor. What's the significance of this move, Howard? Well, it, it, Rob, it's so painfully obvious to you and me, but nobody is talking about it. We're... Um, hitting Iran with sanctions. The only two options that we can see to stop Iran from becoming a nuclear power are sanctions or a military strike. We are playing the sanction card for all we're worth. The sanctions are hurting Iran in various ways. They're not going to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. Not at all. Iran is on its way to having nuclear weaponry. And Iran is the only state in modern history that has declared that it intends to wipe out another state and all of its people. Mm -hmm. And no one has said anything about it. Nobody has complained. Uh, specifically, it wants to wipe out Israel. But, the, but Iran has a space program. Iran has great big missiles. Iran now has mid-range ballistic missiles. It is working on long-range ballistic missiles, and those long-range ballistic missiles will reach Toronto. 
They will reach New York City. They'll reach Washington, D.C. So Iran's <clears throat> nuclear weaponry is not an abstract proposition. It's real as real can be and will affect your life and mine. It's, it seems like the nuclear capability of Iran is more prevalent and more dangerous than any other situation that that is facing the world right now, including the Taliban. So when you and I come back from this commercial break with our news, Howard, let's talk about that. And, and, and you know, it boggles my mind why the world powers have not moved and said, you know, we're not going to let this happen and just make sure it doesn't. Boggles my mind. Howard, stand by, my friend. Howard Bloom is my special guest to this hour, ExoNation. He's the author of The Genius of the Beast, A Radical Revision of Capitalism. His website is www.howardbloom.net. That's www.howardbloom.net. And uh, Howard and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Maybe I should buy some old tab collars. Welcome back to the age of jive. Where have you been hiding out lately, honey? You can't dress as trash until you spend a lot of money. Everybody's We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www dot xzoneradiotv.com Nation. Howard Bloom is my special guest, www.howardbloom.net. Uh, he is the author of The Genius of the Beast, A Radical Revision of Capitalism, uh, The Lucifer Principle, A Scientific Expedition into the Forces of History. Uh, let me see. Uh, Global Brain, The Evolution of Mass Mind from the Big Bang to the 21st Century, and How I Accidentally Started the 60s. 
Once again, his website is www.howardbloom.net. So, Howard, you and I were discussing the 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 uh, the nuclear capability of Iran. Now, why hasn't the world, the free world, band together and said, "Listen, it's either you do not, you get rid of." You stop even thinking of nuclear power, or else we're going to decimate you into dust. One reason um, is something called perceptual shutdown. And there's a description of it in my first book, The Lucifer Principle, and my poor dog, Schluppy, um, gets involved in explaining what perceptual shutdown is all about. I used to have this giant German shepherd named Schluppy. Mm -hmm. He was so big. I was told that he was absolutely a purebred, even though we picked him up on the street and he was literally dying when we picked him up. Turned out to be an absolutely purebred German Shepherd, and I was also told that if you ever thought of putting him in dog shows, which we never did, um, but he would have been disqualified because he was too big. So that means when I walked up to the local park, a little 440-acre park called Prospect Park in Brooklyn, when I walked up to the local park with Schluppy, Schluppy would look around as if he were king of the park, and he would look at all the other dogs in the park, and he'd look down his nose at them. Mm-hmm. Um, he would, uh, he'd have his magnificent act his, together. Um, until one day, he did this for months, and then one day we walked into the park, and there was a Great Dane. Now, every other dog Schluppy had ever seen was smaller than he was, but the Great Dane was bigger than he was. So do you know what he did with his eyes, Rob? No. Instead of making eye contact the way he did with all the chihuahuas and all of the dogs of middle size, the Mm -hmm. beagles and the basset hounds in the park, he looked the other way. He looked straight across the park as if the Great Dane way over to our right didn't even exist. That's perceptual shutdown. When you feel that you can face down somebody and you have the power to make them back down, then you look them squarely in the eye. When you when you sense the other is bigger than you are or in some way more powerful than you are and you no longer have the courage for a confrontation, you pretend the other doesn't exist. So the story about Hamid Karzai and the Iranians mm-hmm. lasted an entire 24 hours. When you looked at it, when you looked for it in the next 24-hour news cycle, gone. it was gone. Um, there are very few stories right now about Iran and the stories on the Bushir nuclear reactor that was fired up two days ago are, um, you don't see them very often. And you don't see them very often because we are gradually, we are falling for a ploy that um, uh, Ahmadinejad, the president of Iran, and um, the mullahs who really run Iran are using. And that has slowly accustomed us to the fact that Iran is going to be a nuclear power Keep us just slowly. It's the old frog in the pan theory. Mm-hmm. You, you know the story of the frog in the pan. Yes, it has become very popular. Yeah. Well, it's, we're the frog in the, in the frying pan. The water is being turned up, but it's being turned up ever, ever, ever so slowly. So we're going through the same sort of perceptual shutdown that my dog used to go through. Why? We do not want to get involved in the kind of war we could possibly precipitate um, by uh, launching a strike against Iran to get rid of its nuclear weapons. Um, secondly, if there are nuclear weapons in Iran, and the, uh, the answer is there are almost certainly either the weapons or the makings for the nuclear weapons, they may not be where we think we are. We could strike Isfahan or wherever it is we'd like to strike with all our might and still not wipe out uh, Iran's nuclear capacity. We could just get Iran angry. Um, third, we could precipitate a world war. 
But here's the deal that you were alluding to. You were saying, why didn't all the nations of the earth get together and say, no, 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 Tehran? Because we're not the only stupid ones here in the United States, Rob. There are also some stupid people in in positions of authority in China and in Russia um, who don't realize the following. Any rocket that can reach Ottawa or New York City can also reach all of Russia. Exactly. All of Russia. Any rocket that can reach us can also reach Beijing. Now, if Beijing and Iran up until, or Russia up until now have played the game as if, if they play Iran heavily, they can use Iran as a tool against us. Well, that's all very fine, but let's remember that um, both Russia and um, China have their, have their Islamic problems. And if anything, their militant Islamic problems are bigger than ours. Um, a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, there was a major incident in Chechnya. And that, in that incident, a bunch of um, people with guns broke into the Chechen parliament, and a number of people were killed, broke into the Chechen parliament. And those people were Islamic militants. Russia has a whole bunch of former Soviet states. It's called Central Asia. It's about seven of them, ranged along its southern borders. And all of them are Islamic. And all of them, Iran can find right pickings there. So Russia is under great threat, much greater than we are from militant Islam. Remember, we've had one World Trade Center bombing here in North America. But in Russia, for the last 15 years, they've been having entire apartment complexes leveled to the ground. Um, they've had subway takeovers. They've even had a theater takeover. That's yeah, Russia. That, sure. And so, that's their problem with militant Islam. All right, so if militant Islam is is causing all these problems around the world, why is it then if we have resources at our dis, you know, at our disposal such as the CIA who have gone out before and or maybe I should say I you know it's believed that they have gone out and taken out heads of states and caused military coups why couldn't they do that if they do that in Iran work with the other governments uh, the uh, the other the other country governments with their special forces it's well, why why are why are we it. why are we so afraid of militant islam Oh, that's a good question. Uh, militant Islam has, for one thing, it has a cover. And its cover is the biggest PR campaign, literally, in the history of the relations between states. Um, one nation alone, well, let's go to the Israel lobby, okay. for contrast. Um, the, the, the way that the Iranians got me on their television uh, outlet for the first time was by bringing up the Israel lobby. The Israel lobby sends one penny for every man, woman, and child in the United States every year. And that doesn't sound like a lot, a penny. But when you add those pennies up, that's a lot of Americans and it's a lot of pennies. Guess how much the Islam lobby spends per year? No idea. For every man, woman, and child. Remember, for the Israel lobby, it's a penny for yeah. every man, woman, and child. For the Islam lobby, it's uh, $13.27. My Lord. Now, walk into your local candy store with a penny and what can you buy? No, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Walk into your local candy store with $13.27 and what can you buy? A lot of candy. A lot of candy, and Washington is a candy store, and the media is a candy store. And this lobby is uh, so effective at what it does that no one even knows it's there. Um, so the stories about Islamophobia, first of all, nobody should be beating up, be beating up Muslims in this country, or any country on the face of the planet. Nobody should be um, in any way showing discrimination unless you're getting on an airplane. Um, and then I'm along with Juan Williams. We all get a little bit nervous. I mean, when I've gone into the subway station at Times Square, 
because remember, I'm out here in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Times Square is just a short subway ride away. Um, and when I step into the, uh, the subway station and I see what look like 20 young Muslim men hanging around, yes, I get nervous. Um, wait, what was our question again? I'm losing track, Rob. <laughs> I'm walking right. in Never no, Neverland. Um, my, my point was is why is everyone so afraid of, of extremist Islam? You know, like, take them out. It's that simple. And if they well, can't abide, been, if they we, can't abide by the rules and regulations of the countries that they've come to, listen, where the airplane lands, it also takes off. So if it's our way right. or the highway, you know. Like, One of our difficulties with this is that there is an advantage to a guerrilla force um, functioning its own territory. Now, Afghanistan is not the territory of the people who are commanding the Afghanistan military operation. The Afghani military operation. Um, has largely been commanded by people from Saudi Arabia and Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not their native territory, but it's the native territory for their troops. And we learned this lesson in the, a little war called the American Revolution, that is, we in the United States did, because the British had a very well-trained military, a very well-equipped military, um, very, very capable military, but, hey, we were fighting in the woods of our own territory, um, and we weren't going to engage in any direct confrontations. We were using asymmetric warfare. Warfare and eventually the British had to give up on us and go elsewhere. Uh, we have the same problem, we, and we have all kinds of political problems. Again, back to your what you said is why don't we all get together and line up against militant Islam? Exactly. Um, there are potential allies that we're overlooking here. First of all, the Russians. It, it was just leaked yesterday that the Russians are probably going to get involved in the Afghan war with us. That's one of the smartest things that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama have ever done because of what we talked about, Chechnya, and the Beslan school crisis and things like that, where militant Islam has attacked the Soviet Union and let it know that it wants to peel off vast territories for itself. In China, they have a, um, a large state in the western part of the country called the Xinjiang province. But in the Muslim world, it is not called the Xinjiang province of China. It is called East Turkestan because it is regarded as a Muslim entity, and it is a Muslim entity. So it is in the best interest of China to work with us against militant Islam. And guess who else has an interest in working with us against militant Islam? The Saudis and the Egyptians. And their interest in working against militant Islam is that militant Islam, and Iran in particular, want to knock off their current governments. They want Mubarak out in Egypt. They want the Saudi royal family out in Saudi Arabia. They want to replace both those governments with Islamic revolutionary forces working on the principles laid down by the Islamic Revolution's founding father, the Ayatollah Khomeini. Um, so there's, there is good reason for us to work together with the rest of the world. It just takes, it just takes, it just takes a major sales job from Hillary Clinton. In fact, frankly, this militant Islam threatens even Pakistan, with whom we're having the most difficulties. Um, because Pakistan what, doesn't want us in its territories, and for good reason. No sovereign state wants foreign troops in its territories. But in its territories are the hiding places of the Taliban and of Osama bin Laden. The, the, one of the major points I was making when we were talking about the $13.28 of the candy store um, is that we're being hobbled by a press campaign that nations like Saudi Arabia are paying for, and it is, as I said, the most expressive, expensive press campaign in history. And that campaign, among other things, is trying to make us feel guilty for focusing our attention on militant Islam. But hey, we're not against all Islam. No, of course there not. Are, there are tremendous numbers of Muslims who are modernists, pluralists, tolerant, who are, some of the, who are some of the most creative citizens that we've got. 
Um, but there is a problem with militant Islam, and it's, it's a knife at the throat even to Egypt, even to Saudi Arabia, even to Pakistan. So what's go- what would happen if, if Iran gets nuclear capability or already has weapons of mass destruction and they, and they strike Israel? What's the rest of the world going mm-hmm. to do? Well, uh, there's a history of this. Um, if you go back 20, roughly 2,000 years and you follow the history of the Jews, what you discover is there is a winning technique and it works every time. Single out a group of people so small and so helpless that it can't defend itself. And despite all the nonsense about Israel having one of the biggest armies in the world, Israel is a country of 16 million people. It has yeah. fewer people than just the population of one Islamic city, Cairo. I mean, it's six, six to seven million people. In fact, it has roughly a third the population of Cairo. It is tiny. Um, and you strike it, it's an automatic win. All you need to do is lob one nuclear weapon at Tel Aviv, and you have destroyed all of Israel. And um, one of the former Israeli prime ministers, or, or, or Iranian, sorry, prime ministers, has even said this. He said, if we throw a nuclear weapon at Israel, Israel's over and out. But if they throw a nuclear weapon against us, hey, we can absorb 70 of them. We have 70 times the population and 70 times the land that Israel has. But what will happen is the rest of us will tremble at the knees. All of a sudden, we will realize how imminent the possibility of a nuclear weapon from Iran is here in New York or in Ottawa. And we will give them anything they want. That is the way history has always worked. Pick on some small and innocent person or pick on some small and helpless person. So we have an automatic win. Smack them. And it really makes the point. And in Islam, it is so basic to do that that you know how um, Muhammad finally won Mecca, the city that was the city of his greatest enemies? He won it peacefully, Rob, and you know how he did it? No. Smack the Jews. He wiped out a Jewish town called Kaibar, um, and in another case, he wiped out another Jewish settlement and cut off the head of every single man or boy with pubic hair. And uh, when, the, when the Meccans saw that, they mm-hmm. trembled and they let him in peacefully. Something is very wrong in this world today if, if we are allowing this to happen. We need to well, take we, action now. We are allowing it to happen. We've forgotten the lessons of World War II. That is, when somebody declares he wants to pull off a genocide, stop him. Exactly. Because that, that genocide will not go up against the weak. It will go up against the weak immediately, but it will have you in its sights in the long run. Howard Bloom is my guest, www.howardbloom.net. And uh, Howard and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. Exonation, don't go away. Exxon Nation, Howard Bloom is my very special guest and a longtime friend of the Exxon Nation. His website is www.howardbloom.net. That's www.howardbloom.net. 
Howard, why do we find ourselves having to be so politically correct? You know, I, I, I for one, am tired of people telling me I can't say Merry Christmas or I can't call October 31st Halloween. You know, it seems that we're so afraid of stepping on other toes that we're losing our individualities, our traditions, our culture, to appease the others. And you know what? I don't think this is very right. And when we look at the big picture that we've been talking about this hour, we're we're afraid to make any action against a, a total threat, not just a threat to the local area, the regional area, not just a threat to Israel, but we're you know, we're looking at a worldwide threat. I don't understand why, why, why we're allowing this to happen. Well, in The Lucifer Principle, my first book, there's a line, from our best qualities come our worst. And political correctness comes from our best qualities. It comes from our absolute desire to be as tolerant as mm-hmm. possible and to see things from another person's point of view. Unfortunately, and again, we're being snowed by a massive $70 billion PR effort, um, and that PR effort has done some remarkably astute things. Twenty years ago, um, the Islam lobby started buying chairs at major universities. That is, um, we're not talking about buying folding chairs. We're talking about buying professorships. And you do that by creating an endowment for a professorship. And there's lots of money um, behind the, the Islam lobby, lots of money. It's called oil money. Um, and they bought um, they bought chairs at uh, universities like Harvard. Now, when a Harvard professor makes a claim, you and I tend to believe it. Mm-hmm. In a, and, but they, so they bought themselves a platform to put out their press releases as if their press releases are coming from Harvard. This is deception. Um, and, and Mohammed said very clearly, war is deceit, meaning war is deception. Um, we're being bamboozled by people who are taking advantage of the fact that we do genuinely want to open up to all kinds of people and have all kinds of people living within the bounds of our countries, and that includes both Canada and the United States. Our, our tolerance is being used against us. But the truth is suffering. Um, and because we're being bamboozled by a massive PR campaign, and there are groups like the Council on American-Islamic Relations, which pretend to be... Um, uh, they pretend to be indigenous, local, American, or Canadian groups. Mm-hmm. Um, they pretend uh, not to be part of any sort of international apparatus. But when something happens that they don't like, they go directly to the Council of Foreign Ministers in the Islamic countries. They go directly to the annual meetings of the foreign ministers and get those foreign ministers to um, support them, to help them achieve what they want to achieve. For example, when um, Disneyland wanted to have a display, um, in uh, for the year 2000 that had a map of Israel or something of the sort on it. They didn't want that to happen. They were pressuring Disney, and Disney wouldn't drop it. And they finally went to the meeting, I believe it was in Cairo, of the foreign ministers of the Islamic State, its annual meeting, and they got the foreign ministers to say to Disney, you better stop this. Hey, so Howard, a, a, as happens whenever you're on the show, time goes by so fast, my friend. You and I have to say so long for now. But, Howard, let's not <laughs> keep it so long between visits because this is a never-changing world. And you and I have got to start raising eyebrows, opening ears, and getting people to act. So until the next time, take care of yourself, Howard. Thanks, Rob. It's been a delight. Exo Nation, I'll be back tomorrow night. So until then, always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night now. Girl. 
We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.